0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets
1: the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass caught, the first down, Gets on the 20, 15, shoots a defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Here we are. Wednesday night, hump day, headed toward a football weekend as Nebraska back in action on Saturday as they'll be taking on the Indiana Hoosiers. We're going to have a practice report coming your way here in a couple of minutes. Today, the offense, and boy, a lot of question marks. Who's in? Who's out? Who's ready to play? Who's not ready to play? I don't know that we got a lot of answers, but we'll talk about all that coming up here with some comments from Troy Walters. Later on in the hour. Wednesday night's Blitz Night. We're going to check in at Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois about upcoming matchups with those three schools. Michigan set to play Notre Dame in a huge primetime matchup Saturday night. The Buckeyes and the Badgers, which uh, lost some luster because of Wisconsin's loss over the weekend. And Illinois at Purdue. It's a pretty interesting little matchup considering Illinois is coming off that huge win over Wisconsin. So we'll get updates on all of that. We'll also talk some Husker baseball. Chance to sit down with head coach Will Bolt. Huskers have now closed the books on their fall ball season as they wrapped it up with a scrimmage against Kansas over the weekend. So the gloves have been put away for a little while for the guys. They'll be doing some weight training uh, moving on from there. So we'll get his take about what will be his first team when they launch their season in February. Looking forward to that conversation. Hour number three buy sell here on a Wednesday night. And we'll check in with Lane Grindle, our major league baseball insider. Wow. What a game one last night. The nationals beat the Astros five to four. What a position for Houston, Ben McLaughlin. I mean, you lose game one and now you got to go face Steve Strasburg in game two to avoid being Oh two at home.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is, Man, this series, I think I said last night on the show, the stat was six of the top 20 pitchers in Major League Baseball were, the top, were pitching in this World Series uh, in terms of ERA of the regular season. Six of the top 20 in these two stabs alone. It's That's insane. And, yeah, I mean, every game that you fall behind, you, you look at the next one and you go, well,
1: we got to find a way to get this one. We'll be keeping an eye on that. That starts in about an hour tonight. We'll keep uh, an eye on that and get Lane's thoughts about this matchup and also some news as it relates to the Cubs. Apparently, they have found their new manager. So we'll we'll get into all that with Lane coming up in the third hour. And as always, phone lines open for you at 866 Hosker one 866-487-5371. Um, all right, let's talk about this. The, the I mean, when the media gets around this, these football coaches and players after practice, has been, everybody wants to know what's Adrian's status, what's Juan Dale's status, uh, who's going to be the quarterback Saturday. And from today, Mario Verdusco said, all all of our quarterbacks practice today in some different forms. Uh, Adrian's out there. He's really tough. He's going to give it a go. Or, you know, if he can give it a go, we'll give it a go. Juan Dale, who wasn't practicing Earlier in the week, evidently did practice some today. So I don't know that we learned a lot. I think some of it might be encouraging to know that Adrian's wearing pads, he's out there, he's got a brace on the knee. If Wandale's out there, and maybe even if he's wearing the green jersey, it's probably a good sign that he's out there. We heard Barrett Pickering was out there on Monday. I guess these are good signs. I don't know if it means good for Saturday, but good for some point in time here in the near future.
2: Yeah, I I expected Adrian to be back at some point. We had a pretty good feeling, you know, maybe the day after his injury that uh, the Northwestern game that that was going to be the case that, that, you know, he would at least return. To me, the, the most encouraging sign of all is Wandale. Um, you know, they anytime that cart comes out and the way that he was or in this case was not walking off the field under his own power, he's basically getting carried off. I mean, those team doctors were calling for that cart basically immediately when he got in that tent, and that you know, mo- you think about how that evaluation period goes. You know, they're feeling for breaks, they're feeling for um, you know all these different parts of structurally of it, and it, if you come to a diagnosis that quick, I'm no doctor, but that tells me that they they thought something was severely wrong, right? And to call for the 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 cart that quickly if you would have asked me after the game did I think Wandale's season continued my set my thought would have been absolutely not I, I didn't think there was any way you know he he would be back and my first th- thought then was shoot he's already played in four games because oh yeah then, then he could, seven yeah, well I know because yeah. that that could have been he at least could have been a redshirt. but uh that that's the best news to me I mean even the fact that he's clear to be out there I think is is wonderful news and I would be utterly befuddled if he played this week but the fact that you know
1: he would could still get some games out of this freshman year is a great great thing sure is I was encouraged at the Ireland press conference when Scott Frost was asked about Wandale and he just said he'll be fine that told me okay they think he's going to be back before the year is over I was thinking, and it, this still may be right, I was thinking yeah, maybe Wisconsin because you have bye week, Indiana, Purdue, bye week, and then that's a full month to try to get him ready for those last three games. And, that's again, that still may be the case. We don't know if he's going to play Saturday or next week against Purdue. But I, I do think his freshman year is not finished. And with Adrian, my initial reaction when he went down in the Northwestern game was that's probably a three- to four-weeker. Well, that's about right because one week was Minnesota. The second week was um, the bye week. Third week is is going to be Indiana. I think it's going to be really close. Then then you have to judge. Okay, is eighty percent Adrian better than a hundred percent Noah Edel or a hundred percent Luke McCaffrey? That's what the coaches have to then kind of go. Okay, which way do we want to go with this thing?
2: Well, I don't know the status of Noah. You know, true. He he, he was limping pretty good after the game and i obviously wasn't around the team at all during the bye week and um you know i don't i don't really know it sounds like you know all the again as you said to start the show the quarterbacks were all dressed and out there but uh adrian was also in pads last week you know before the game and we knew the the likelihood of him playing wasn't going to be great so um i don't i don't really know what to make of it I had a buddy text me today who's going to play quarterback for Nebraska on Saturday. Send him the emoji with the arms out, like I don't know, like yeah. I
1: have no idea. Who's Your going to be guess out there. is as good as mine. Uh, we might see four. We could see four <laughs> quarterbacks out there on Saturday, for all I know. I wasn't here. You and Nate uh, expertly handled the show last night. Monday night, we had a couple people just calling. What's the status? We don't know. We're telling you what we what we've been told as well. So. Again, we all are starting to learn. Scott Frost pretty tight-lipped on these type of things. We will hear from the head coach tomorrow. That will be his final media session before the game on Saturday. Maybe he tips his hand a little bit more tomorrow. We'll find out. We'll have that for you on our practice report tomorrow night. Interesting things going on at the University of Michigan. Did you catch this today, Ben, that Jim Harbaugh sent out a letter to all the parents of the current Wolverine football players um, and it says, i will just going to read it to you. It's not very long. I'll just read it to you. So bear with me if you've heard this or seen it on social media earlier today. Um, Dear parents, I am reaching out to let you know that the recent claims that I am, quote, pursuing an exit strategy are total crap. It's an annual strategy driven by our enemies. To cause disruption to our program and to negatively recruit. By the way, I don't even have an, quote, agent or representative. I am committed to your sons, their education, and to their development as football players and people. Please excuse the informality of this letter, but I felt that it was important to get this out to you as quickly as possible. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Happy to discuss Go Blue Jim Harbaugh. There were reports circling around. I don't know if that Ian had any of this on Monday or Tuesday, but there was some chatter that Harbaugh's already in discussions, has his eyes on a couple of franchi- the jobs that maybe come open in January in the National Football League, so he must have felt like he had to address this. Or maybe they're hearing back from recruits going, oh, uh, I just got told by Coach X and Coach Z that this is happening. What do you want to do? But. This is going to be tough for Michigan because if this is floating out there, they haven't had a great year on the field to this point in time. they got Notre Dame on Saturday night. None of this is good for the Michigan program. Oh, man. I mean, you know, and I don't know what's left. for me. And,
2: and they really haven't – I know they got bludgeoned by Wisconsin, but their season hasn't been an utter disaster. Like, you think about – the disastrous seasons that nebraska had or even go back to michigan with brady hoke yeah you know you you just you just knew you you knew that it was it was coming and you know you you what everybody said after that that wisconsin game all the michigan alums and um this that and the other thing you know i, I it, it was one game and i know they they you go back to the past of jim harbaugh and he, all the statistics about ranked teams and never winning his division and all that. I know it was a cumulative effect, but to just throw the season away after the one game was was a little shocking. But you get the sense, Greg, that it, this isn't going to be a typical coaching exit, meaning they see the writing on the wall. We're just going to get through these last three games and be done. Ohio State's going to kick our butt. We're going to move on. We're going to go play in a, an average bowl game, and, and that's going to be that you know, you get the feeling that this might be an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team who miss out by a half game or a game, game and a half of winning the division, and they're still going to cut ties with them. That's the, sen- that's the sense that I'm getting is, you know, it, it's becoming such a toxic environment with this type of stuff. Uh, it's becoming – my point is it's becoming more than just an on-field result with Coach Harbaugh, and, and that's the decision that ultimately is going to be have to make. Is it worth – all this other stuff, um, while not necessarily having the on-field performance to back
1: it up to be worth it. Year five for him, and you say they haven't had a disaster of a year. It hasn't been disaster, but it's been nowhere close to what a lot of people thought it was going to be. Egg on our face. We haven't. We haven't in our playoff. Yeah, we've we done our preseason top twenty-five. They've already lost twice. They beat Army in overtime. They play Notre Dame Saturday night. They are favored to win that game. I don't know. Maybe they do. They still have to play little brother, Michigan State. That's not going to be easy. And then you mentioned the Ohio State game. And then whatever bowl game. I mean, two losses now. They could end up having four or five losses. But do they do they usher him out the door? That's going to be hard to do. I mean, they, they got on their knees to beg and, you know, Cogl him to come back to the program to save the old alma mater. So it's it's a tough spot for them to be in right now. And again, there's no, there's probably no doubt. I'm sure people that they're recruiting up against Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan State are probably saying that that, you know, are you sure you're going to be playing for Jim Harbaugh if you go there and play? So Angelique uh, Shingalis from the Detroit News is part of our blitz coming up on Iron number two. We'll get her thoughts about that letter. Why did that? Why did? What is her opinion of why he thought he had to do that today on a week where they need to be locked in to get ready to play Notre Dame on Saturday night? The Irish coming off of a bye week. Huge game for Notre Dame because they are still part of the national playoff picture. I know a lot of people think they're clearly on the outside right now, but I, I still feel if Notre Dame gets to 11-1, and one, they're going to be very tempting for the playoff committee to put in. Uh, So that's a big game for them on Saturday night. Odd thing that uh, was there with Jim Harbaugh uh, earlier today. Also, later on the program, not right now, but later on the program, I want to get into the Scott Strickland, Jamie Pollard tit for tat on Twitter that's happened over the last 24 hours. Scott Strickland's the athletic director at Florida. Jamie Pollard, the athletic director at Iowa State. They got into a little bit of a spat. We'll talk about that later on the hour as well. Time now for us to jump into tonight's
0: practice report. Every practice.
3: We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it.
0: All season long.
3: There's nothing better as an athlete than
2: being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building
0: it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly.
2: Practice reports all year long brought to you by our good friends at Tech. With JTEC Construction, it's simple. When it's time to replace your windows, give the official exterior experts of the Huskers a call for a free no-obligation assessment. We heard from the defense yesterday following the bye week. Now is offense day-to-day, as it always is on Wednesday, and that means offensive coordinator Troy Walters turned to face the media and started out by addressing the health of Adrian Martinez and the rest of the quarterback position.
4: Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks pretty good out there. Uh, he's got a brace moving around better than he was last week, so uh, we're hopeful. Um, you know, all the quarterbacks are taking reps, and we'll kind of see game day who's, uh, who's ready to go, but uh, we have faith in uh, whichever quarterback's out there. So
2: <laughs> kind of a tough deal for the coaches, not just at the quarterback position, but everywhere. You know, when you're dealing with – off the field issues in, in Maurice, Washington. You're dealing with injuries. You got to practice with who's out there. How do you manage the personnel when there are injuries and in other circumstances? Coach Walters kind of went into further detail about the rest of the team.
4: Yeah, this offense revolves around personnel and getting guys uh, the best matchups and you know having running backs that can play receiver, receivers that can line up in the backfield, athletic tight ends. And so uh, whenever you you have some injuries, you know it, it kind of limits you a little bit, but uh, you know, all throughout camp, fall camp, we, we take a lot of reps. And we have our twos and threes and fours taking a lot of reps. And so those guys understand when their number's called, they got to be ready to play and ready to step up. So um, over the bye week, we got a lot, a lot of guys' reps. So if their number's called, they'll be ready to make plays and, and help this team, help this offense, help this team win a game.
1: Perfect example of that late in that Minnesota game. And here's Brody Belt mm-hmm. for the first time this year, guy who was a big name in the spring. And boom, there he was. And to Brody's credit, he ran hard. He picked. He had a couple really nice runs that I think. And we talked about this on Monday's show. It kind of when he runs that hard, it kind of shows you the difference from some guys who weren't running hard. Yeah. And that elite let let into I think what's happened with Maurice. Yeah. And, and one more point to that, you know,
2: I I heard that a lot from Noah when Noah took over uh, at quarterback in the Northwestern game and beyond. I heard from Noah and his guys like Wandale who said, you know. The way that we practice, fours end up with ones, twos end up with threes, ones end up with fours. Whatever it is, it's it's just that we, we practice so fast, you may look and you have the number one O line in front of you. But you might have a freshman wide receiver with a senior wide receiver with a freshman running back and a sophomore tight end. And that's just your personnel group for that particular play. And that's helped them a lot. And that's why the comfort factor of having a guy like Noah in the huddle, there wasn't that shock factor because they're kind of used to it with the way that they practice. Right. So you mentioned Maurice Washington a second ago. Uh, the absence now that him's gone has to create some opportunities for some other guys.
4: Yeah, well, Dedrick will play more. Um, Brody Belt, you'll see. You know, Wandell um, will play more at running back. Um, you know, ramire we're hoping to get some some run this week. Um, he he he's playing well. He's fast, explosive, and so uh, you know it's all hands on deck. And uh, you know all those of the group of running backs have really had a good week of practice. And those guys know that when their number's called, they got to be ready to step up.
2: All hands on deck doesn't begin to describe it. I mean, if you've got pads on, you know the position, you better be ready to go. Yeah, he threw Wandale in there. He did. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. There hasn't been very many cases where they haven't lumped Wandale in. <laughs> Some some capacity here with this offense. Now, uh, obviously, the bye week used to get healthy, get guys some some time away, uh, get those nicks healed up. Back to game week now, and the physicality has ramped up from a week ago. Here's Coach Walters talking about getting back to a, a typical week of practice after
4: a bye week. Yeah, we need to get back to basics. Um, in this league, you got to be physical. You got to be physical both sides of the ball at every position. And in this game, it's going to come down to which team, which offense is uh is the most physical and uh you know on the perimeter we got to be able to block their safeties who they get down in the box up front we got to be able to block their defense alignment um so we want to do a lot of good on good you know r1's offense versus r1's defense and get after it and and there wasn't no mystery of what we're going to do we're going to run the ball inside and you're they're going to stop us or we're going to you know we're going to uh we're going to dominate you up front, and so it was a good couple of days of practice. We got healthy for the most part and uh, refreshed. That was another goal of the bye week was to make sure that we got uh, got healthy, refreshed for these next two games, and we did that. So very excited about uh, where we are going into Saturday
2: talked about quarterback we've talked about running back one area we haven't really addressed too much in the practice report anyway is the wide receivers did talk about Cade Warner uh, a moment ago which wide receivers got more reps during the bye week and and potentially against Indiana on Saturday
4: Yeah, I mean, everybody got reps, Uh, so Jamie Nance got reps, um, you know, and and, and did a good job to Marion Houston, and even like a, uh, uh, not Jeron Whittier, but uh, uh, Javon McQuitty got some more reps, and so the more reps you get, you know, especially against our defense, against our number ones, we're trying to get those guys ready, so if their number's called, they'll be ready to go, and, you know, we did a good job of that.
1: Ben, you know, I kind of feel like some guys have had plenty of opportunities this year, and kind of I know is one of those guys that's been given a lot of opportunities and you're just not really seeing much happen. So would it hurt to let Jamie Nance get some snaps? Would it hurt to give Javon McQuitty? I mean, maybe they aren't as good. But I think – and the coaches, I think, hit this bye week and maybe step back and said, you know what? We've given some guys seven games already and it's not happening. So we maybe need to try somebody else. I want to run this by, And I thought about this
2: at some point um, driving back and forth from Lincoln this week. And, uh, and one thing that kind of popped into my mind was I was thinking about the wide receivers. At one point are the question marks no longer question marks, but they're answers just in the wrong way. Meaning, yeah. you know, you're not, it's not a question whether, whether he's going to do it. You know what the answer is, but you put him out there anyway. Like at what point? How many of those guys do we have right now that are that are doing that at wide receiver? I think the JUCO guys are are, are certainly crossed over. They're no are longer question marks. Right. The answer is they're inconsistent. Correct. The, the, it's not going to be. What can he do? It's it's he's going to be inconsistent. That is the answer to the test. Right. And and I and I, you mentioned Conover kind of Noah. I kind of feel like we're getting to that point. Javon McQuitty, another guy. You know, he's. If he can't do it in practice, can he, can he do it again? I feel like the question marks aren't really question marks. We're just scared to know the answer. Good point. No, that's a great point. So <laughs> the answer is I, I wouldn't mind to see Darian Chase more. You know, if you got four games to plug Jamie Nance in there, I'm not opposed – and obviously getting Cade Warner back I, I think is going to be huge. All this lends to the lack of explosive plays this season. Coach Walters talked about that as well.
4: Yeah, it's very important. Very important to any offense, you know. Uh, it, it's hard these days to go eight, ten, twelve plays down the field, and so if we can create explosives, then it, you know, it it, it limits the uh, uh, the amount of time we're on the field. And and really, it, why we're not creating explosives all across the board, you know, um, receivers not. Running the right route, not getting separation. Uh, Offensive line, we got to give the quarterback time. A lot of, a lot of times to create those explosives. Uh, You know, the running backs' protection. So it's, it's, it's the full unit and everybody working together, um, doing the little things. And if we can do that, then uh, you know, this week we, we, we've got to create explosives. These guys, you know, they're, they're athletic. They're fast. They're going to give you chances on the outside to make plays, and we've got to make them when our numbers call.
2: Another thing I was kicking around in my head was Nebraska's offense right now doesn't seem structured in a way that's going to put together eight play, 70 yard drives. And so I kind of feel like the rest of the year it's going to be how many explosive plays for touchdowns or inside the red zone can this offense generate, you know, schematically, mismatch wise? Where can they find one or two plays where they can go, yep, let's pop them for 60 here and and, and instead of doing it in eight
1: plays, do it in one or two? When you've only scored one touchdown in each of the last three games, you're not getting many big plays. And they just haven't been there much for this offense the last three weeks. And now, Maurice Washington no longer practicing with his team. Wandale questionable. I'm not sure where Scott Frost goes. I don't know. Now, they may have to try to change their personality a little bit these last five games. They may have to try to ground out some more drives to get points on the board. But it's they were there in September, Ben. We were getting big plays in September. Haven't done that in October. Have not. Uh, we'll wrap up talking about the challenge
2: ahead, Indiana's defense. Here's Nebraska's OC.
4: Yeah, uh, they're aggressive on defense. Uh, they fly around. Uh, they play with a lot of swagger. They play together, they kind of really they really symbolize their their head coach who's a defensive minded guy and um, and so they're flying around play with a lot of passion uh, on the outside they're gonna get up in your face and jam and press and disrupt the timing on the on the perimeter um, inside guys they're stout they're, They might be the most one of the most stout defensive line groups will uh, we have played this year so uh, we've got to test uh, up front with the O line and, and their linebackers run well very athletic um, a, lot, a lot of kids from Florida and they, they play fast and very aggressive, so uh, we got our hands full.
2: They do have a, a fair amount of athletes on that mm-hmm. side. They I don't do. I don't know that, uh, again, that always translates to good football, but you look at the way they move around, they're quick. They've got a, a corner that, that plays for them that Nebraska wanted real bad and ended up committing to, to, to Indiana and is starting for them now. So, you know, it, at this point, as we've said the last, was it three or four weeks, it's, it's not even about who Nebraska's played
1: on defense, it's about. What are we going to see on our side? Yeah. All right, good stuff from Troy Walters there. As I mentioned, we like to go around the league with the Blitz.
0: The Big Ten Blitz. Michigan.
1: Let's talk about the Wolverines. Angelique Shengalos from the Detroit News joins us. Michigan came up short in their game at Penn State. I really thought, though, Angelique, that for most of that second half, they outplayed Penn State. I think there's some positives to that game for Michigan. What was your takeaway?
5: Greg, you're absolutely right, and and that's how the Michigan players and, and the coaches are, are feeling after that game. I mean, they don't give up that big play to, to Hamler. I mean, it was uh, they had a miscommunication with the signal coming in uh, for the defense. You know, it, it's a game. I mean, it, they obviously had to drop pass on fourth down in the end zone, uh, Ronnie Bell. But yeah, they. I think you know we we kind of laughed a few weeks ago when when Harbaugh said the offense was hitting its stride after that ten to three win over Iowa. And this looked like an offense that was hitting its stride a little bit more and what people I think expected from game one in, in Josh Gattis' new offense and Shea Patterson looked the best. He's played uh, this season and uh, there were some there were about five receiver drops in the first half. They cleaned that up in the second half. Jack Charbonnet, their freshman running back, seemed to, to get new life and, and the offensive line really performed pretty well for this game. So. There were a lot of positives, and, and yes, it was a loss, but it's a completely different feel after this loss versus the uh, the game at Wisconsin about, what, five, four or five weeks ago. So they, I think they, they see a lot of positives.
1: You mentioned Coach Harbaugh. Interesting letter he put out today. Why do you think that happened at this time?
5: Well, I, there was a story that appeared yesterday saying that his people are putting out uh, feelers for NFL jobs. He was planning his exit strategy, and... Um, I mean, I I knew this before. He even wrote in the letter. He doesn't have an agent right now. He doesn't have people. He doesn't have representatives. And, you know, he's doing it. This is pretty much every year he's had to do this, Greg. I mean, and usually it's a little bit later. Um, One year, two years ago, I think it was uh, December at their football banquet, and he called the people who are putting out this negative recruiting jive turkey. So... Uh, this time he was forceful again and, and insisting. You know, he sent these to the recruits, saying he's not going anywhere, and that uh, I asked one of the coaches today. You know, had he heard from any recruits when the story came out, and, and he said, "Look, they, they they all understand this is cyclical with Jim Harbaugh. That this always comes up, NFL jobs, and his name's going to be linked." and uh they sort of take it in stride and, and move on so uh that's I, so jim just felt like he had to nip this one in the bud right away
1: okay so move on well let's move on let's go to the notre, notre dame matchup saturday night this should be electric I, i'm glad these two are playing i think it's wonderful for college football and, and a huge game really for both teams isn't it
5: it is i mean it's you know notre dame's coming off a bye they had some time off and Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure and I believe they had school off, too. So they've had a lot of time to focus on this game. And, uh, you know, I think it's certainly important for Michigan. When you talk to these players this week, you know, their goals are their big goals are done. I mean, they're they're not going to win a Big Ten championship, certainly not a national championship. But what do they have left? They have Notre Dame. They have Michigan State. They have Ohio State all at home, all at Michigan Stadium and I think those are pretty lofty goals. You know, you went out at this point, which is a, very difficult to do when you look at this next five-game stretch. You finish with ten wins, and that's nothing to sneeze at. It's it's not a Big Ten Championship or an East Division title, but it's, it's something that they can hang their hats on. So, for Michigan, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly, this is going to carry a lot of weight, and it's the last game in the series for the foreseeable future, and it's interesting, Greg, when you talk to different people, former players, current players, do you want to keep playing this game, and and some are like, Yeah, let definitely you got it. Natural rivals. Others wanna say, you know, they're going out to Washington next year. They wanna add those kind of games too. So you gotta, you know, enjoy this one while while you can.
1: All right, how 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 do you think this goes? What what are some keys for this one from the Michigan standpoint?
5: Well, I mean, I think what you saw in that second half at Penn State, Greg was no turnovers. I mean, Michigan's had this fumbleitis issue most of the season. They had an interception in the first half, but look how efficient that offense was in the second half when they didn't turn the ball over. And and Notre Dame is very very proficient. I mean, they they have they leave the country in turnover margins. They, they, you know, they take advantage of it. And Michigan cannot let that happen. Notre Dame, you know, if, if Notre Dame wants to win this game, I think he, they've got to come out fast. And it's going to be electric, as you said. It's, it's going to be, you know, the the second under lights game of the season. But this one's going to have that feel, that big stage feel. So I think for Notre Dame, they got to come out fast. I I think this defense has to get after Ian Book. They have to have kind of an Iowa-like game, a performance when they had – I'm not saying they're going to get eight sacks and and, and they're not – maybe they won't be as dominant, but they have to have some kind of – That kind of pressure on him, and and, uh, Notre Dame's got an awfully good tight end, too, that they have to keep track of. So if Shea Patterson plays like he did last week, and and the Chiefers hang on to the ball, I I think Michigan's got a very good chance.
1: Michigan hosting Notre Dame Saturday night, 630 Central on ABC. Angelique Shingalis joins us from the Detroit News. Angelique, thank you so much.
5: Thanks so much.
0: Ohio State.
1: And here to talk about the Buckeyes, our good friend Matt Andrews of the Buckeye Network. Ohio State coming off of a convincing win over Northwestern, 52-3. to How was that nighttime game in North Chicago?
6: Well, it was actually all right, Greg. And, you know, I'm not for Friday Night Football at all. But at the same time, it was a beautiful evening. course the Buckeyes traveled well Uh, I guess 60 percent of the stadium was scarlet and gray the problem though was the parking obviously around Evanston is bad anyway but just even the media lots we couldn't get into a lot until about three hours before kickoff and as you know for some of us that have eight hour pregame shows the uh, (laughs) the challenge was there but it was it was a fine night in Evanston
3: for sure
1: well this team and I I was so impressed when they were here in Lincoln I I, I can count on one hand the number of teams that I've seen in person that are that good. They just seem to be on a mission, Matt and you're around them a lot more. Do, do you get that laser focus when you're around this team?
6: I do. And what's really scary, impressive is when you when you're with this team afterwards, we, you know we're able to get down there close into the locker room for some interviews and maybe a little more access. It's, it's all legitimate, man. And I just feel like, Greg, that this team, and, and clearly they could slip up at any point that this happens. But I feel like this team is playing like their coach, loose, having fun. It's cliche, one game at a time. But, you know, they brought out the white belt phrase last week. And, you know, they're, they're bent on not having what happened to them at Purdue and Iowa happen again. But they're very focused. I think they're obviously very talented. And yeah, uh, you know, they are just literally cliche-like, taking it one week at a time.
1: Okay, this week is Wisconsin. And, boy, this yeah. one lost a lot of shine because of the Badgers trip up with Illinois. But I still think a lot of people will feel like the Badgers along the lines can stand up with Ohio State a little bit. Give me your thoughts about this
0: matchup.
6: Well, clearly, even when you've got two teams that are 5-2, are and 6-1, and one, and one's not undefeated and coming off a bad loss, it's always – when you play Wisconsin about that O-line, that D-line, and that's always a great test. Hey, five of the last six games have been decided by seven points or less between these two. The last time they met was in Indy two years ago. It's absolutely gonna come down to up front, and I think Wisconsin's gonna be very hungry. They know that if they drop this one, they're probably two back in Minnesota. I think, I forget Minnesota, they may have Rutgers this week, but anyway, I think they're two back in Minnesota, and then it becomes really tough for Wisconsin to find a path back. They'll be hungry. Dobbins and Taylor, I, I can't wait. I might just take some popcorn to the sideline with me.
1: It looks to me like uh, that that Cone has elevated
0: their play at quarterback.
1: Mm.
6: Have you noticed that, too, when you study the Badgers? No doubt, no doubt. And and I think that dimension in it, of itself, is, it just completely blows your mind how they lost Illinois last week as a 30-point favorite because I think he was playing at a really high level – and his ability to get out and go, and and his ability to to find somebody open. Look, this is this is probably, in no ill respect to the uh, to the Huskers or anybody that Buckeyes have played, but I got to think Wisconsin's going to have as much speed as anybody that they've played to this point. And but Cohn brings another dimension and, and I think brings that ability for a, a real chance for Wisconsin to come in here and win the game. I still think the Buckeyes get it done, but I think it's gonna be much closer than that number that's been posted.
1: Matt, how about the health of Ohio State? I know a couple of defenders didn't play against Northwestern. What's the, the health status of this team?
6: They're expecting Baron Browning, their third leading tackler, the linebacker, to be back. Uh, coach Jay has not put out a, a game time status till Friday, but he all but indicated yesterday in his press conference that he'd be back. And, you know, they've got a couple guys that are nicked up, but by and large the health is very good. Defensive line health looks to be pretty good. Uh, so I think the Buckeyes are fairly healthy here going into what week eight for them.
1: Buckeyes host the Badgers, eleven o'clock central on Big Fox. Matt Andrews of the Buckeye Network with us. Matt, we appreciate it. Have a great call.
0: Thanks so much, you too, Greg. Illinois,
1: And here to talk about the Illini from the Illinois Network is Steve Kelly. Illinois coming off the biggest upset of the year in college football as they beat Wisconsin last Saturday 24-23. I'm going to put you on the spot right out of the gate here, Steve. That's the biggest win for Illinois football since when?
7: I would say it was the biggest upset ever when you go by the point spread. It was a 31, actually I think 30.5 at game time uh, point spread. They were that much of an underdog and I can think of some other other wins, but they were not nearly the underdog they were there. So from the upset standpoint, I think it's the biggest win ever. Now for the big wins, you think about a 07 when they went into Columbus and beat number one Ohio State after they had knocked off number six Wisconsin and a nationally ranked Penn State team early in the season and went on to the Rose Bowl, but you know Illinois was better that uh, that year than they are now, and they were by no means a 30-point underdog even going to Columbus to play the top-ranked Buckeyes. So, and then you go back to '83 when they beat Michigan in Champaign, 16 to six, uh, to nail down the Rose Bowl. That's the year they they went nine and zero in Big Ten, and that hasn't happened again and never will. They beat everybody uh, in the Big Ten conference that year. So there's, there's been some big games, but this one was a long time coming for especially for Lovey Smith and the Illini fans.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, how big a shot on the arm is it for Lovey, for the program, for the fan base that maybe maybe there is a lot of progress being made by this staff right now.
7: Well, I think it was definitely a signature win for Lovey, and he had not had one. He was only he only had four wins going into that in the Big Ten and in uh, three and a half years and two of those were against Rutgers so he did not have a signature Big Ten win. That was one certainly and quite frankly it, I don't think his job is on the line although a lot of national people think he might be on the hot seat. We locally don't see that but if there was any wavering I think it's, uh, it certainly ensures he'll be here next year. Okay,
1: now, now the challenge, Steve, is to, to put it behind him and get ready for Purdue this week. Um, your, your thoughts about this matchup with the Boilermakers? They've certainly had some struggles here this year as well.
7: Yeah, they're 2-5, and five, and I'm a little bit surprised. I just looked at the point spread. I don't pay a lot of attention to that, but I'm curious sometimes, as a lot of reporters are. Purdue is a 9.5-point favorite. Illinois is coming off that big win, got one more win on the season. Purdue's kind of owned this series lately, and Illinois has played at times pretty well in West Lafayette. Matter of fact, they're one game above 500 all time in West Lafayette. So I'm a little surprised that it's a nine or a nine and a half point spread, but Purdue leads the Big Ten in passing yardage, and Illinois is not very good against the pass, so I'm sure all that's figured in. But to get to your point, you know, you're only as good as your last game, and then that's uh, high or low shouldn't stay around very long and now they've got to focus on this because now uh you know they've got three wins with five games to play so if they can find three more somehow and the schedule is not overwhelming then you're starting to talk the b word the bold word again and, and people would like to do that but if they drop this one that certainly would hurt that
1: all right, some injuries last week. I know Smalley went out on the first half. Patiku went out the, the outstanding defensive end in the second half. What's an update on the injury situation?
7: Well, we don't get much from Lovey Smith on the injuries during the week, um, but we did get word that uh, Avon Sydney, an outstanding wide receiver who uh, transferred from uh, USC along with Josh Amaterbebe, uh, Sydney is out for the year. He underwent uh, some sort of leg surgery. Sunday morning, so they lose him. He was the number two or three receiver um, on the team, and maybe would have gotten higher than that. Smalling had his ups and downs physically and catching the ball, but he got hurt on maybe the second play of the game and went out and we've not received an update on him, so I'm not sure how he'll be. As you know, they got Brandon Peters back at quarterback, and he had a not outstanding numbers game, but what he did was lead the team to the victory late and uh, threw a touchdown pass and got the team in position to uh, kick that game winning field goal so we had a pretty good game efficiently.
1: Illinois at Purdue Saturday at 11 on BTN. Steve Kelly of the Illinois Network. Steve we appreciate it.
7: Always good to talk to you Greg.
1: Steve Kelly fired up and should be after that huge win over the Badgers. And right now joined by the head baseball coach the Cornhuskers Will Bolt. That's a good ring to it. He finished up Fall ball on Saturday with an exhibition against the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's just talk about how much more comfortable you are with your team now that you've finished the last six, seven weeks, and I'm sure you've gotten a chance to know them a lot better.
3: Well, a lot, just in terms of getting to know the guys and kind of getting to know their personalities and their work habits and um kind of what you're going to get day to day from certain players and kind of starting to try to forge an identity as a team as well over the course of the fall and the fall is always a bit of a staging process for the spring and we've kind of talked to our guys about this a lot like this has been a kind of a job interview for them with with us just getting to know them and um guys that we didn't necessarily recruit but uh, or know much about before we got here so we're seeing these guys for the first time and um, the falls is a staging process it's not a end-all be-all by any means in terms of a lot of things like a lot of guys you see all the time where guys have great falls that come back in the spring and you know don't perform and vice versa guys that just look lost in the fall that come when the lights come on and the real games start that they tend to rise to the occasion so it's a bit of a staging process. Know a lot more about our guys personally now. It's been fun to kind of get to know them, and they've worked awfully hard.
1: Start of the mound, what did you learn about the group there, and do you feel like you have enough depth to make it through a season and be competitive next spring?
3: Yeah, you know, what I've seen is I've seen a lot of guys really improve over the course of the fall, and just some guys <clears throat> in particular with uh, command of secondary pitches and just uh, fastball command and – General attack on the mound I saw some guys that maybe didn't have a ton of confidence coming in that really improved over the fall and showed a lot of confidence at the end of the fall and and showed well and so um, I think we've got some good pieces we've got some good right and left-handed guys some guys out of the bullpen that can match up with you Um, the key is going to be to find enough guys that can turn over the lineup a few times um, on the mound and um, have those three or four starters that you can depend on.
1: Let's talk about the infield a little bit. Third base looks like a spot that's it's open. Angelo Altavilla held that down for the last couple of years. Spencer Swellenbach can play there, but I think you'd probably prefer to have Spencer at shortstop. How about third base? Anybody stand out as you went through the fall?
3: Yeah, Cam Chick's a, a guy that, um, you know, he had a nice uh, spring with a bat last year as a freshman. Um, struggled a little bit offensively and defensively to start the fall. I think putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. Um, but really came on strong with a bat as we got along. He, he, he hit three or four home runs, drove in a lot of runs, some extra base hits, and, and I really saw him improve defensively. Um, throwing was an issue for him last year. It was an issue at the beginning of the fall. He kind of stopped thinking about it and stopped you know, making it making an issue and just playing catch and being a baseball player because he's a good athlete and he's versatile so he really improved um, over the course of the fall and Leighton Banjoff's another kid that came in as an outfielder that we've you know he played some shortstop in high school and so we stuck him at third base and um, man he he really just has a knack for the ball finding his glove um, so he did a nice job for us defensively as well too and we kind of got a small sample size of drew gillen this fall he got hurt um, early on so we didn't get to see much of him but he he came on and, and did some nice things for us uh, toward the end
1: Did you did you see some leadership from some
3: guys? Chick
1: might be one of those that maybe could be a bit of a leader for this team. What about some guys that maybe stood out that could be leaders for this team?
3: Yeah, I think Spencer Schwellenbach is definitely that type of guy. He's He's got the talent. He's got the confidence, but he he makes it all about the team. Um, he's He wants to win. Winning is his top priority. That's what you want in a leader is a guy that's – Really, first and foremost, his, his teammates you know, at the front of his mind and, and winning games. So I think Spencer and Jackson Hallmark, kind of another guy this fall that really uh, stood out just in terms of work habits, showing up every day with a great attitude, hard worker, blue collar mentality. He's a grinder. Again, another guy that just wants to win games. Um, and I think those two guys up the middle have good chemistry and, and um, they, they showed up every day ready to compete.
1: Busy again with Will Bull, head baseball coach for the Cornhuskers. How about you? How does it feel to be back and kind of now through a full session with this group for the last two months?
3: Yeah, it's been uh, in in a lot of ways like I never left. It really has like I, I just I look at it like I'm you know, I'm back here to try to help Nebraska baseball in any way, shape, or form. And um, I feel like I've got a great coaching staff here with me um, that have really helped some of us improve offensively on the mound. And uh, Coach Marcuso has done a, a fantastic job with our infielders. And so... You know, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun to put the end back on and and be here, you know, at Hawksville, at Haymarket Park, and, um, you know, just seeing some familiar faces around. And and, um, I'm just, I'm truly honored to be here and uh, to be the head coach for the Huskers.
1: We're about two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks away from the the signing period. And boy, if people follow you and your staff on, on social media, they're seeing a lot of really positive momentum out there. Do you, have you, Have you felt like there's been good reception when you go out to talk to people about the Nebraska program?
3: Yeah, I think I said this um, maybe the first day I was hired at the press conference. I I think, in general, um, people in the state of Nebraska, they want to come to Nebraska. I think that's really their first choice. Um, And we can't take every kid that wants to be a Husker, but um, we want to make sure that guys that we target that are talented enough to play here, and have the right mentality to play here. That we want to make sure that those kids stay home. And um, <clears throat> I think we've had a very specific formula that we wanted to try to follow in recruiting with, with in-state kids, kind of dominating the um, immediate area, and then possibly, you know, dipping into the junior college ranks for guys here and there from a need standpoint. And um, I think we're headed in the right direction that way. And I think it it's going to prove itself to be a, a winning formula that you can you, you can win with here at Nebraska.
1: Okay, Coach. I keep getting dinged by fans. When's the schedule coming out? Because they want to make travel plans to go follow this team. And are we close to getting this thing put out?
3: Yeah, we're close. Um, there were a couple changes that we had to make um, just with the transition of the coaching staff and some times on there that we wanted to make sure we got right. Um, I think there may still be another a TBA or two in there, but really close. We should have it out uh, this week, actually. And uh, you know, I think it'll be an exciting schedule. Where go to a bunch of different places and you know, see a bunch of different conferences, a bunch of different teams, and should set us up in a good position to, uh, you know, to be right there at the end if we take care of business.
1: Well, appreciate the time. Enjoy a little bit of downtime. And then I know Husker fans are ready for this thing to get cranked up in less than about four months now. How about that?
3: Yeah. No, it's it's the fall went fast. And uh, this is the time that our coaches can focus on our families a little bit more. And uh, the players are really, this is a development time for them with the skill instruction. So looking forward to that and uh, definitely looking forward to our first spring here back in Nebraska.
1: There he is, Will Bolt, head baseball coach for the Cornhuskers, who now will kind of have a little downtime and finish off the semester, and then they'll crank up practices toward the end of January and get the season going. How about this, Ben? Opening day for college baseball is Valentine's Day. We're inside of four months from the start of college baseball.
2: I follow a bunch of different college baseball team accounts, obviously, and I, one of the random teams that I follow, probably a team that we had played at, at some point, tweeted that out that we were less than four months away we still got world series action on yep. here and an entire basketball season ahead of us <laughs> hadn't started yet but yeah i mean we spent a couple of days over there this uh, this fall with the boys and it's just so awesome going to see going over to practice and seeing coach Christie again and and seeing coach bold and danny who coach marcuso who i played with in high school um obviously it's it's still bizarre not seeing coach silva and, and coach erstad and and Pritchard and all those guys over there, too. It's still it's still weird. You know, those guys occupy the same offices that we were in so many times before, but it, that comfort factor of, of having them back is uh, it's really
1: nice. I was told maybe Friday for the schedule. Maybe Friday. Bring so it on. It's, it's close because people keep tweeting at me yeah. and stop me and go, when's the schedule out? I'd like to make one of those early season trips, but I don't know where they're going yet. So I think we're close ready for it yeah me too so let's buy or sell
0: it's time to buy or sell buy sell is brought to you by famous dave's your perfect catering choice for business lunches meetings weddings parties and more treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue made-from-scratch sides, and award-winning desserts, Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett witty and Josh Hilkeman.
8: You guys talking about all these different movies. This is basically like a, a TV show, recurring seasons, sure. and all greatest, uh greatest recurring series of uh, our show, I guess, in, in the history of radio, right, Brett? I'm not sure about that, but yeah, let's go <laughs> with that. Why aren't you sure about that,
1: Brett? Are you, do you watch? Do you go to many
9: movies? Uh, no, I don't go to a lot of movies. I'm more of the the stream them now these days.
1: Have you seen the trailer for this Ford versus Ferrari thing?
9: I have seen a few of them. I haven't seen one uh, lately though.
1: Looks good. I think it opens in about a week.
9: I'm more of a. I'd go for the Joker if I could Would go to a movie right now. Yeah, that'd probably be my pick if I w- was go to go to in theaters
8: movie. Okay. Now you know everything you need to know about Brett. Whittier.
9: Whoa, whoa, don't, no, no, don't take <laughs> no, anything do out not, of that.
8: But... <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Brett? Hey, guys. Hey, Ben. So we didn't play last week. Uh, so two weeks ago was the last time that we played. So these answers are pretty much two weeks old. So let's jump right in. What did we have? We had volleyball last Wednesday. Is that right? Yeah, we did. Yes, yep. it was volleyball. Big games. win. It was. I was at that match. Well, let's start with Husker football. It was a question that five more passing yards than running between Nebraska and Minnesota. And the answer was a sell. It was actually the opposite. More rushing wow. yards than passing yards. having to 276 passing. Uh, so almost 200 more combined between the two teams rushing than passing. You guys both sold that, and you were both right. Didn't expect Minnesota to have that much. No. no. Unfortunately. Yep. All right, now
9: sticking with Husker football by ourselves that the winning team in the Minnesota Nebraska game would trail by at least eight points in time. That ended up being a sell. Minnesota led 14 at the half and uh, ended up winning by 27. Uh, Greg, you sold that and got it right. Ben, you were incorrect with the buy.
8: Bummer. Never trailed. Never trailed. All right, moving on to Husker volleyball. We just mentioned that a couple of minutes ago. By yourself at Nebraska, total at least seven aces in their next two matches. Those matches were Michigan State and Michigan. The answer was a buy. There were exactly seven oh, aces. Wow. Three against. <laughs> what a line. Three against Michigan State against Michigan. Benny bought it and we're right, Greg, wrong with this. What song. a line. Pat yourselves on the back, boys. Uh, I was just going to say sometimes we set a line like that and sometimes we do the one where we say that the, the football one where the rushing versus That's passing. That's pretty dang good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, moving on
9: to uh, a little Husker baseball buyer our sell that the winning team in the red-white game would score at least three more runs than the losing team or that it would finish in a tie. That ended up being a buy. The game was pushed back, but the red won 7-1 to in that one. Greg, you bought that and got it right. Ben, the trend continues. You sold it. We're incorrect. The trend the continues. I
2: just got the last one right, dude. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, you, you pay not, attention? not the one Brett's been giving. Yeah,
9: up, not the ones I've been giving, Ben.
2: Yeah, you know way more about this team than I do. True. True. <laughs> Is that okay. God. No, you do, Greg. Separate oh. these guys.
1: Uh, I was talking about you. Oh, you, know I, thought way you way more. I thought you were shooting that at Brad. No. I mean,
2: you're, I mean, not, you're not wrong. I mean.
7: Greg,
2: Greg knows way more about the baseball team than
8: I do. I guess. You just, you just had a feeling. You knew that it was going to be pushed back to Monday, and you knew that the game was going to be decided it. by more than three runs. So. Drill it. Love it. All right. Let's move on to college football with our next answer. By herself that there would be a, at least 85 points scored between the Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, Iowa games. That ended up being a sell. There were only 67 points scored. Mm. Wisconsin defeated Michigan State 38 to nothing, and then the Penn State won 17 to 12 against the Hawkeye 17-12. So you guys both sold it, and you were both right. Nice, okay. good work. How's that trend, Brett? I knew. Well, that's every single one that I've done for you, Ben. You've, you've gotten right. You've gotten right. Every yeah. single one that Brett has it's given the answer for
9: has been wrong. Interesting. How this keep is that this trend going, up.
8: Brett? Keep it going. Well, yeah. we'll we'll see how this one, <laughs> next
9: one goes. We'll stick with college, <laughs> college football here by ourselves. That quarterbacks would total at least 700 yards in the texas oklahoma red river shootout game a couple weeks ago that ended up being a sell they only combined for 567 jalen hurts had 366 yards and sam ellinger with 201 you guys both bought that ben you're incorrect
8: just me though no here's actually here's a fun note this doesn't happen very often so besides you guys all the producers not even just the ones here tonight we all play along so there's a total of 7 of us. F- five producers and then you two guys in the studio and all of us bought that one and we all got it wrong. Wow. All 7 Holy of us. Cow. So that doesn't happen very no. often. We don't need to talk right, about it producer
9: wrong. totals. No, we do not talk about that. <laughs> we not need to talk about totals back here. It's, it's, yeah. it's about it's the games for you guys. That's nothing to do with yes. us. Yes.
8: The audience does not care about does yeah. not care about what we do. No. no. Do they care about what we do? I mean, <laughs> more than Some us? Slightly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More than us. We'll say that. Uh, college football, another uh, answer here by ourselves that Alabama and Clemson would both both win their games by at least 10 points in the week that we asked the question. Those teams that they were playing were Texas A&M and Florida State. The answer was a bye. Alabama won by 19 against a and and Clemson defeated the Seminoles by 31 points. <clears throat> you guys both bought it, and you were both right. Alabama, kind of close. Clemson, not, not, not so,
1: much. so much. Nope. Not really. It's messy at Florida State good right job. now. Good job, good effort, Florida State. <laughs> that, that's getting really messy. Yep. Here. All right. MLB
9: playoffs answer by ourselves at a pitcher with total 12 or more strikeouts in a game between uh, the time that the question was asked and the end of play on Tuesday, the 15th. That ended up being a buy. Steven Strasburg had 12 strikeouts on October 14th, and Patrick Corbin had 12 on the 15th. You guys both sold that, and Ben, would you look at that, you were
8: wrong. <laughs> Just me. I joined you with that one, too. So. You know, everybody's favorite, Tim Curran, was the only one that got it right. So. Wow. Timmy boy. He, he was buying the pitchers, getting strikeouts, and he was right. All right, one more answer here, and it also comes from the Major League Baseball playoffs by our cell that there would be at least 14 home runs hit in the ALCS and NLCS combined. That was a buy. The ALCS, the American League, did most of the heavy lifting there. There were 21 total, 18 by oh the American gosh. League, three Whoa. by the NL. So 18 to three? 18 to three. Oh, but it was a cow. combined combined effort. They only needed 14 to get there. They got to 21. You guys both bought it, and you were both right. So they Good. the AL did it by themselves. They did it by themselves. There, I was looking this up earlier. It was like three in the first game, three in the second game, three in the third game. Two in the fourth game, four in the fifth game, and then I can't remember if it was like three or four wow. in the last game. Wow! So good grief! They uh, they were slugging them out of the park pretty easily. So that wraps up the answers for this week. Greg, you went six of nine nice. on the week. Ben, five of nine. So you s- picked one you, up. You gave up one good. to Greg. Greg, you pick one up, however you want to look at it. Ben, you still hold a three-point lead. Let though, the collapse start. <laughs> Here we go, Josh. This is our last one for a couple of weeks, isn't it? It is. We're not playing next week because of men's basketball. So And then I think in 2 weeks we have volleyball again. Yep, that's right. So with this that's is It's going to be a little while. bit okay. We, Make it count. That's right. We do have a couple of questions that are a little bit more future oriented, so had that anticipated that a little bit. So let's jump in and this actually this first question is Husker football related and it is for this week by ourselves that there are at least 3 turnovers in the game on Saturday by both teams combined.
1: Hmm. Huskers have gone back-to-back games without a turnover, right? Indiana turned it over a couple of times in their game, their win against Maryland. So three combined.
8: Yes.
2: I'm
1: going to buy that. Man, I I was hoping to buy it too, but you can buy it. Um... I think this is going to be with like that volleyball ace thing. I think it's going to land right at three. Yeah, I think that's – I mean, it, I'm between two and three. Right.
8: If you set the line, it would be two and a half. Like if there was an actual line on it that you had to go over under. I'm going to buy it, too. Okay.
9: All right. Moving on to a Husker volleyball buyer sell that Nebraska has a player with at least 13 kills in each of their next four matches – or a player with at least 24 kills and one in the next four matches.
1: 13 in the next
9: two?
8: And next four. Next, next
9: four. Or four. Four, 24 and, and one.
8: So, and to clarify, the 13 in each of the next four, it can be a different player. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah of those, okay. But the, the leading killer, whoever that is, has at least 13
2: and I'm going to sell time. it just because every time there's one of these questions, we've had a lot of questions like this, Yeah, I've bought it and, and we've fallen short. Okay. So I'm going to be on the other side this time. There you go.
1: But you bought the Aces thing and got did, it right. I mean the kills, the number of kills every time. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my first inclination was to sell it, so mm-hmm. I'm going to sell it as well. So we agree on the first two. There you go. I feel, like,
2: I feel like we've had a couple of these in... I feel like the lines have been real good, mm-hmm. but I've been off by like one or two yeah.
8: short. So I'm just going to go on the other side this time. All right, very good. Well, here we go, unveiling Husker men's basketball as a category. Our first question there for this season by ourselves that Nebraska scores a combined 170 points against Doan and UC Riverside.
0: Oh, ho, 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 ho.
8: 170, huh? 170. As JB would say, without a calculator, that's 85 points per game. That seems that's, just a that's little. That's great
1: math. That seems a little high to me. Um, not by much, but I a little high, so I'm going to sell it. Selling it. it. <laughs>
8: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out this basketball team. Yeah, I know. That's the beauty of this question. All
2: right, I'll buy it. Give me those high-flying Hoibergs. Is that what we're going to call them? Yeah, I don't know. No. I think you just coined it a nickname. Brett's not impressed. I am I'm, I'm st- I mean, it's the first time out. They're going to start a show.
8: All right. I've seen him score in bunches in Italy against teams that weren't good. Well, I mean. Let's bring it back to the States. Nothing against the Doan Tigers, but, I mean, they're not the same level of competition as the Oscars are going to see in the Big Ten. So. Kind of anxious to hear
1: about the secret scrimmage on Saturday with Wichita True. State.
8: Yeah. Yeah so secret how can you hear about
1: you will hear about it <laughs> jeff goodman was like putting out final scores and leading scores from the some of these last weekend
9: yeah we can just hop on one of those blogs and get it three days early yeah can,
1: we got to find one of,
2: we got to find one of those blogs <laughs> moving on now, don't be
9: ordering too much pizza Brad. husker husker women's basketball question here By or sell the nebraska holds their opponents to 85 points or fewer versus rogers state and alabama a&m
1: so the combined total of yes. those two have got to be below 85.
8: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a really
8: low number. <laughs> it is <laughs> a low number, <laughs> but it, 5. It, it, if you uh, if you look up their their openers and games that are similar to this in past seasons, they usually allow a right around 40 points 85. per game. 85. Uh, is that the number? Uh,
1: 85. 85. Is Roger State a NAI, do we know, or D2? I don't know. I'll, I don't, on, I'll get on. Amy, I know they're not Division one. That was it must Amy be Williams' D2. first coaching job. Oh, so. there you go. There's the connection. That's got to be a D2. This is way topic. But Creighton's women had school. It went double overtime. Oh, wow. Oof. That they end a... up winning? Creighton won in like 85, 83 or something wow. like that. That's a bow okay. Bow. Concordia won the NAI National Championship last year, oh. so that's a really good program. Go. I'll, I'll buy it. Give me some defense. Oh, all right. How about you, Greg? We got to be different on something. I, I I'll sell it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we do blank yeah. some
8: of these teams, but it, <laughs> it's a pretty stingy line, but it's also like yeah, it's it, pretty realistic. I think it's right around where it could yep. be. All right, Rod- I mean, if it was, think about it this way: if it were
2: any more, the decision isn't that hard. Right, Right. That's exactly.
9: And Rogers State is a Division II team. Okay. They, they play in the MIAA. M- a-
1: Oh, they are? I didn't know they were in that league. Yeah, Mid-American Intercollegiate yeah. Athletics Association. That's where Carney's in. You and in oh, the right. Yeah, there you go. Did not know that. Where is Rogers State, bro? Uh, Clearmore, o- Oklahoma. Oh, is it Oklahoma? Oklahoma. I was thinking it was in Arkansas. North Way North North. off. Oh, <laughs> I <White> was, <laughs> was one close. state over. Yeah, it was one state there. Way <laughs> off. Same colors. Because <laughs> there is a Rogers, Arkansas. I kind of oh. just assumed it was in Rogers, Arkansas. Interesting. The more you know, I did
8: part of the prep that well, I did to What's their mascot? Don't the know question. that. Oh, We're boy. dropping some serious knowledge <laughs> on Any the right now. Any guesses for a bonus
2: point? Uh, tigers. Uh, I'll uh, go cougars. Like, they're usually something weird like, I don't know, I'll go like centurions.
9: It looks like a wildcat. I'm gonna, hey, cougars. I'm going to yeah, double check that. As long as it's not that. a tiger. Would you say tiger? I said tigers. Yeah,
8: I said cougars. Could be close on the tigers. What are they? We don't know. Uh, we're 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 efforting. We might go to the next one. The website may up. not be up to date, so we're going. All gonna right, you just <laughs> go to the next question. I'll, I'll I will ask the next question. and Brett will continue efforting Hill cats. the answer. They're the Hillcats. Oh, there you go. The love Hill. Love it. It's close. Good. So Good wild. Stuff. basically. Yeah. College football with our next question: Buy or sell that Michigan or Wisconsin win this Saturday?
1: Wolverines well, are favored. Yeah. But do you favor them? And they look better in the second half. I think they're going to get a win for old Jim. All right. So I'm buying that. Nope. <laughs> Sell. Selling. You're just not a believer in the khakis.
2: No. <laughs> I like I like the Irish. And I like the Buckeyes. <laughs> I do like the Buckeyes. Yes. You do.
1: Okay. But, but I do think Wisconsin will put up a pretty good fight that game. Yeah. Yeah, I think they will too. Bounce back.
9: All right, uh, sticking with college football by our that the Florida-Georgia game on November 2nd is decided by four points or
1: less. World's largest cocktail party will be... I don't think it's called that anymore. I think you've really probably offended well, a lot of I, people. For, have I? Well, direct the hate Brett mail said to my the Red uh, River inbox. Shootout earlier. Earlier, somebody oh, yeah. somebody we, we, tweeted at me and they're glad I said it. <laughs> we, we call the the,
9: the, the rivalry. Now Red
1: now, River but, Shootout. I called it. Uh, which that's not politically correct not. anymore. I'm sorry. I, somebody tweeted at me. Goes,
2: way to go, Greg. That's what it's. No, it's called the Red River. I shootout. grew up on that, folks. So I'm sorry. Um. What was the question? Just completely. four, four points. Or oh, yeah. oh yeah,
3: four points for Florida, Florida Georgia I line. Florida Georgia line. I will yeah.
2: say, dogs by six, dogs. All right. So you're selling. I'm so selling it. Dogs. Keeping the money in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs>
8: I'm gonna buy it. Ooh. I think it's a field goal what's, game. What's your? Uh, who's winning? Georgia. Georgia by three. Got yep. On. 16-13. 16-13. Wow. Man. I love it. All right. 2014, dogs. 20 to 14. I'm writing all this down, by the way. Do it. 20 to 14. Got it. NFL with our next question by ourselves that the Chiefs Packers winner also wins their next game. So Kansas City will face the Vikings in the week after they play the Packers. The Packers will play the Chargers the week after they play KC.
1: Where are each game? Do you have that? I
8: do
2: not have that. The, the Chiefs are at home against the Vikings. I do know that. So the winner of the game then and the wins Packers are on the road. They're on, their next like four games are on the road. So see. the Packers are in LA. Is LA on the road though? Let's
9: let's look
1: into this. <laughs> the Packers are going to beat the Chiefs. Okay, so then are they going to beat and the then Chargers? They will beat the Chargers. So I will. So buy you're buying dang it. I am going to the Chiefs
2: game, so I will sacrifice a point for buy sell to root for the Chiefs in person because I'm not going to secretly have a oh. hidden agenda right while I'm there. No.
1: So you're but I don't know that the Chiefs beat the Vikings. That's what oh. I was going to say. You you Patrick's root for them by this week. I think Mahomes is back for the Vikings game. Crap. <laughs> but I uh, <sighs>
2: Like n- none none part of this answer makes sense. I, I can't do it. I can't give you I can't give you a free point. I'm what is my selling? Yep. I mean he, Greg bot, so are you Oh you're bot. No, then I'm buying too. <laughs> Alright. All right. Go ahead and
7: sell
1: it. Wait, so if the Chiefs <laughs> I I'm so, saying
2: that the Chiefs win and they, they lose against the Vikings. If they win and lose, then that's a sell. sell.
1: I'm saying Packers win, Packers win. Okay. Okay. You're selling? Yeah, I'm them?
8: selling. Oh, good. I like Let's it. Let's go, Chiefs. That is now. Five in a row that you guys have been different on. Ooh, I like that. A little separation. Week. Let's I'll do this. All right. Uh, moving on now.
9: MLB World Series question by or that Juan Soto hits at least two more home runs throughout the rest of the World Series.
2: Starting right now. Cell. So. Wow, that was a that was a quick one. Right. So if <laughs> he reason- hits one from this point on in this, this, game this game, it point counts. on, yes. yes. I just don't know how many more that dude can hit. <laughs> to be honest.
1: Is he tired, do you think? No. I I mean,
8: he's 20 years old. How tired can he be? (laughs) Looks better than ever to me. I'm
1: buying it. All right. I'm a believer in Soto. He's a monster.
8: Year of the home run. Make it six in a row. I like this. All right. One more MLB World Series question by herself that there are at least two more one-run games the remainder of the World Series, including this game here
1: tonight. Two more one-run games. I think this series is going a long ways, so I will buy that. It's going to go seven, I think. Really? So you got six Six games. You'd be
2: the case tonight. I'm with you. I'm buying it. Okay. All right. Wrapping
9: up the week with an NBA future question by ourselves that at least two players average at least 29 points per game in the 2019-2020 regular season.
2: Two players average twenty nine? 29 a game, or more, or exactly,
8: 29? or more, or more, or <laughs> more. I'm buying. All right. Yeah. Who, who's he gonna be? Last year it did not happen. Only Harden Whoa. got over. Any hard, Giannis Harden? Giannis didn't get there. No, he was at. I think he was 28 twenty eight something, twenty eight point two or oh. something like that. That's the thing. It's like oh. what I mean, Harden Paul did last year. He averaged like thirty four points per game. That's unreal.
1: He'll he
9: probably
8: did. do it again this year, though. I would assume. Even with. Westbrook? I think
9: Russ is yeah, I think Russ is gonna change up his style. I do too. It'll That's
1: gonna change game. the dynamics on that team.
9: Russ is gonna
8: average about twenty assists a game, I think.
1: We can call our shot on who it's gonna yeah, be. Yeah,
8: you can call your shot. If it's, if you get both, you get a point.
1: I'm gonna sell it. I, I didn't Oh realize. you're selling? Yeah, I'm selling, so I'm gonna go opposite you on that. Alright, Ben, you can call your shot though. Alright, I'm gonna say uh
8: Kimba. Kimba. <laughs> hey I got him in a fantasy draft the other day.
2: Good job a boy you're gonna win man this, I'm it's it's hardened and man I'm struggling to find another
9: I mean it's yeah because Katie is out it's tough
2: um, is this
9: Anthony David like, no it's tough Giannis, honestly
2: tomorrow you got Giannis. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say Kyrie really All yeah right. bold sure. it's it's bold but I I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to pick a big man. Like, Carl Anthony Towns could do yeah. it. Giannis could do it. Bradley Beal could do it, I guess. So we're bringing back the... Are we old... going to go see
1: the Wizards in a couple weeks?
2: If, if you, that's something you'd like to do, I'd be <laughs> <in for> that. <laughs> I have, like, four of them on my fantasy
1: team, so I'm all in. Okay, nice. they play Charlotte that night. The night for the Maryland- Could oh. they get Kemba game. back for yeah, that one game?
9: Too bad two left.
1: So, Ben, you're going Uncle
8: Drew as your second... Yeah, yeah. That's it's not going to be correct. It's going to have like 20,
2: but
1: <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to waste any more time on it. Oh, that's it for like three weeks of ISO. I know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. People are going to have – we may have to just like post some past ones to give people right. something to kind of keep them going. Brett, who would be your two picks?
9: <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I go Harden and then – Dame? No, no, because they picked up Hassan Whiteside, so they've got more of an inside presence. I think they'll try to feed him the ball a little bit more. Honestly, I think Giannis is the pick, but I, I, don't, I don't know, know if, if he gets there. I don't know if he gets there. It's tough. I'd probably sell it. So he's saying that your pick was wrong, Ben. Yeah, I'm saying
1: my pick was wrong as well. Oh, okay. Very good. Well done, guys. Time to check in with our Major League Baseball
0: insider. His voice will sound familiar.
6: And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball.
0: His knowledge is endless.
6: He looked so fast.
1: It was unbelievable.
0: He's our Major League Baseball insider. Missed ate a brownie, so I'm
1: ready to go. Lane Grindle. And he's here, probably pulling him away from a wonderful baseball game tonight. Are you watching this one? This is a good game. Uh, Of course. Uh, Hey, I'm not your MLB insider for for nothing, Greg.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Of
10: course I am. Yeah, I mean, I think this is – it's it's obviously it's it's still early in this series, but it's been a fun series. I mean, you get the pitching matchups that are uh, – I mean, they're, they're the kind of pitching matchups you dream about, and then yet really the offenses have kind of been what have probably grabbed the headlines so far in this series. And I, I think you get that when you get to this point, really at any point in the postseason but even more so in the World Series. Every pitch is so important, one mistake – can totally change a game. And we saw Strasburg make a mistake on that changeup. He left up to Bregman and it didn't take long to get out of there and tie the game up. So it, it, this has been a fun series. These are two really good teams. Nationals, maybe the hottest team in baseball. Astros maybe the most complete team in baseball so uh, MLB has to be happy with these two teams at the end
1: yeah very good you, you're right on the Nationals they're just red hot and they really have been haven't they Lane since about June 1st it's like a switch flip for them uh, after about two months into the season they've been terrific
10: yeah into May right around May 24th I think was you know they were 19 and 31 and they've basically had the best record in baseball from that point forward. not saying something because there were some really good teams this year in Major League Baseball that put up some incredible records but uh, they were as good as anybody from that point forward. It's it's really amazing. I mean, they were a couple of days away from firing Dave Martinez. I mean, everybody thought it was happening. Uh, People weren't sure if he was going to come home off the road trip they were on and he just kind of kept winning and all of a sudden they got really hot and the next thing you know, they're in the playoffs and and uh, they have to the come back against the Brewers, unfortunately for me, and, and they just haven't really looked back since. I, I think I told you before the NLDS, if, if the Nationals get the Dodgers, that's a really tough matchup, in my opinion, for the Dodgers, and it proved to be that way. I thought the NLCS would go differently. I just thought that the, the lack of a bullpen for Washington would show up at some point in that series. But when your starters throw no-nos going into the seventh in the first two games, kind of changes all of that. It's not that big a deal anymore. And the other part with the Nationals that probably hasn't been talked about enough is Daniel Hudson's emergence. He's he's an arm that Dave Martinez can trust out of the bullpen. He's been great in the postseason. and, And I think that's changed this team from a pitching standpoint, too, maybe more than we're giving it credit for
1: soto's been amazing for them anthony rendon is certainly a star guy that you and i watched play in college when his days at rice he's a free agent how big a market is he going to command in the offseason in your eyes
10: really big I, to me he should be just as coveted as manny machado was last year uh and and i i understand there's a little different situation there because machado's age he was younger than rendon is entering free agency so you're not going to get the 10-year deal but the uh average salary per year, I think should be in that similar range. He's a really good defensive player. He's an incredible offensive player. He's a great clubhouse guy. I mean, just he checks every box in terms of what you're looking for. Uh, I think he's really special and he's going to change a franchise. He's that kind of a guy, that kind of a player uh, that if you think you're a player or two away, he might be the guy that gets you over the top. I, I think, Somebody like the Cardinals, I could very, very easily see the St. Louis Cardinals saying, Hey, we were close. That guy could get us there, and I could see them go push all the chips in the middle of the table and really pursue an Anthony Rendon. All
1: right, there was some some buzz earlier today that the Cubs have, have come to an agreement with, with David Ross to be their next manager. Is there an is there a rule that they these can't be announced officially to after the World Series? Update me on that.
10: Um, nah, I, I don't know that there's any official no? rule okay. in that regard. Um, you know, maybe more of a unwritten rule or something along those lines. But there's nothing that I know of in, in terms of an official rule with that. With that being said, it, it sounds like the Cubs had a good search, and you know they they talked to a, a, a handful of different candidates for the job. But I also think they kind of knew in the back of their mind this is the direction they were going to go, and I think they've known for a long time. I think they've known that David Ross is going to be the guy before they ever uh, made a final decision on Joe Madden. I mean, we were hearing rumblings of David Ross being the next manager going back to the beginning of this year because they didn't give Madden the extension and Ross is in the front office. And he's familiar with a lot of the guys on this roster. It's going to be a little bit of an interesting dynamic to see how it plays out with him managing an Anthony Rizzo, somebody he's so close with. But it's not the first time this has happened in baseball. Uh, And, and look, the Brewers have a situation where Craig Council played with some of the guys in the Brewers organization when he took over in 2015, and that's obviously worked out really well for Milwaukee. So that that can absolutely work when you have a situation like that. I think it's an interesting hire for the Cubs. Uh, I think it's a hire that says, hey, we have a core we believe in. We think David Ross is a different voice he's kind of that youthful energy that might be able to recapture some of that 2016 magic again and get us back into that conversation Um, but I don't know that the window is as big as it was a few years ago now for the Cubs I mean they probably have a window of a couple more years uh, and it may be even at the end of this next year they have to make some tough decisions if they don't make a run back into the playoffs in 2020 they're going to have to start thinking about what do we do do we break this thing down a little bit do we do kind of a a New York Yankees rebuild where we, we sell off some parts but keep some of the really big parts in place but try to restock our farm system in the process. The, the Cubs are in an interesting spot. I think they're definitely still a contender going into 2020, but I think what happens in 2020 is going to have a huge impact on where that organization goes
1: from there. Sure seems to be a trend in baseball, going and getting these younger guys to sit on the bench. I mean, you got A.J. Hinch and that Houston dugout, not that he's really a young young pup, but Joey Cora. Those That's kind of where baseball's going, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like it. Um, there, there's been, there has been
10: a trend in this direction, and it's been, for the most part, successful. I think that's the important part to remember. I mean, I don't know that you'd be seeing so many of these moves if the first couple failed, but um, these moves are working. And, and for the most part, these moves have been made with teams that already have a lot of talent. So a lot of these guys are walking into pretty good situations. <laughs> I mean, Cora walked into a pretty good situation. Boone walked into a pretty good situation in New York. But it, we're seeing more and more of this right now. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm i not sure if there's a real rhyme or reason to it. I think, one, it's that, that younger voice um, has some, some merit, I think, in some front office's eyes. I think there's also – depending on the situation merit and having a more veteran manager um maybe especially with younger players you know like don mattingly in miami that's a good fit right now in my opinion to have don mattingly over that young group of guys that they're trying to groom in miami to eventually be contenders um but some of these younger guys it's it's worked out i think with maybe some of the more veteran type of teams that have some leadership and also the 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 sabermetric heavy teams some of these young guys that understand that that grasp that that uh, can can kind of open that line of communication from the dugout to the front office that's that's a really important piece now from a managerial standpoint because of the shift and all the other decisions that are made based on numbers as much as it is Um, you know, gut feel anymore. And so when you have guys that can understand a scouting report, not just an advanced scout from, uh, you know, uh, these are some tendencies in terms of what a swing looks like, you know, that's the old style way or, hey, this is what the guy throws and it's really good and it gets some late movement on it. Now this stuff is way more numbers driven than that. And so um, you want to have a guy that can really – speak that language and talk back and forth at the front office so everybody's on the same page as you get prepared for each game.
1: No doubt. All right, we're going to see you anytime soon? Uh,
10: I'm making the trek back west uh, this weekend, nice. actually. So uh, I'm excited about it. My, my nephew is a starting quarterback for Oakland Craig, and they are having a great year. So to go see him play Friday night, and then we're going to head down to Lincoln and see the Huskers and Hoosiers on Saturday. So you'll probably see my mug show up in your booth at some point on Saturday. I'll slap you in the back.
1: See, now, I thought you were just coming to town to meet Theodore Davison, who was
10: well, introduced to the I'm hoping I get tonight. a chance to meet Teddy. I told Matt, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, I told Matt he sent me a picture after Teddy was born, and I told him, I said, he's got a cap on in this picture, so I can't 100% confirm, but I can tell you I have 100% confidence that he has more hair than you have already. <laughs> Because you have none. So if he has one strand, he has more hair than you. And Matt said, yeah, you never miss an opportunity, do you? So, you know, we I mean, were in mid-season form, the two of us. So I'll, I'll look forward to seeing Matt, too. But, uh, yeah, I want to meet Teddy. I'm excited for Matt and Allie. Congratulations to them. Uh, they'll, they'll do a great job. And, uh, you know, Matt will Matt will teach him how to have fun. I know that. He'll do great at
1: that. He'll do
10: great at all the other things, too. It'll
1: be fun. No doubt. Matt tweeted out tonight pictures of Theodore Davison born on Sunday. Congratulations to Matt and Allie. Lane, we appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of the game. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's going to put a wrap on the show. What a show. What a great show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of this one. Always fun to talk to Lane Grindle, our Major League Baseball insider. Still 2-2 in that World Series Game 2, the Astros and the Nationals. Busy show again tomorrow night. Bill Moose here to start us off. Barrett Rood, Hour 2. We'll get into our normal practice reports, Teddy Greenstein, and hoping to get Tom Allen, the head coach of Indiana, to join us coming up in tomorrow night's third hour. So, busy hour. Thanks to Ben, to Brett, to Josh, to everybody for being a part of this one. Have a good night.
0: This is the Husker Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. You're listening to Sports Nightly.